Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. to you by Lilies and Snowdrops. Tonight, we'll read the next part to The Secret Garden, a novel by Frances Hodgson Burnett. If you'd like to listen to this story's episodes easily in order, go to snoozecast.com series. In the last episode, Mary discovers her cousin Colin, who is Mr. Craven's secret son. He is the same age as Mary, often in pain and miserable from it. We will pick up during their first middle-of-the-night conversation in his dimly firelit bedroom. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Colin seemed to like the sound of Mary's voice. As she went on talking, he listened in a drowsy, interested way. Once or twice, she wondered if he were not gradually falling into a doze. But at last, he asked a question, which opened up a new topic. How old are you? he asked. 
I am ten, answered Mary, forgetting herself for the moment. And so are you. How do you know that? He demanded in a surprised voice. Because when you were born, the garden door was locked and the key was buried. Colin half sat up, turning toward her, leaning up on his elbows. What garden door was locked? Who did it? Where was the key buried? He exclaimed, as if he were suddenly very much interested. It it was the garden Mr. Craven hates, said Mary nervously. No one has been allowed to go into it for ten years, was Mary's careful answer. But it was too late to be careful. He was too much like herself. He, too, had had nothing to think about, and the idea of a hidden garden attracted him as it had attracted her. He asked question after question. Where was it? Had she never looked for the door? Had she never asked the gardeners? They won't talk about it, said Mary. I think they have been told not to answer questions. I would make them, said Colin. Could you? Mary faltered, beginning to feel frightened. If he could make people answer questions, who knew what might happen? Everyone is obliged to please me. I told you that, he said. If I were to live... This place would sometime belong to me. They all know that. I would make them tell me. Mary had not known that she herself had been spoiled, but she could see quite plainly that this mysterious boy had been. He thought that the whole world belonged to him. How peculiar he was and how coolly he spoke of not living. Do you think you won't live? She asked, partly because she was curious, and partly in hope of making him forget the garden. I don't suppose I shall. He answered as indifferently as he had spoken before. Ever since I remember anything, I have heard people say I shan't. At first they thought I was too little to understand, and now they think I don't hear, but I do. My doctor is my father's cousin. He is quite poor, and if I die, he will have all Misselthwaite when my father is dead. I should think he wouldn't want me to live. Do you want to live? inquired Mary. No, he answered in a cross, tired fashion. But I don't want to die. When I feel ill, I lie here and think about it until I cry and cry. I have heard you crying three times, said Mary. 
but I did not know who it was. Were you crying about that? She did so want him to forget the garden. I dare say, he answered. Let us talk about something else. Talk about that garden. Don't you want to see it? Yes, answered Mary in quite a low voice. I do, he went on persistently. I don't think I ever really wanted to see anything before, but I want to see that garden. I want the key dug up. I want the door unlocked. I would let them take me there in my chair. That would be getting fresh air. I'm going to make them open the door. He had become quite excited, and his strange eyes began to shine like stars and looked more immense than ever. They have to please me, he said. I will make them take me there, and I will let you go too. Mary's hands clutched each other. Everything would be spoiled. Everything. Dickon would never come back. She would never again feel like a missile thrush with a safe hidden nest. Oh, don't, 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 don't do that, she cried out. He stared as if he thought she had gone crazy. Why? he exclaimed. You said you wanted to see it. I do. She answered almost with a sob in her throat. But if you make them open the door and take you in like that, it will never be a secret again. He leaned still farther forward. A secret, he said. What do you mean? Tell me. Mary's words almost tumbled over one another. You see, you see, she panted. If no one knows but ourselves, if if there was a door hidden somewhere under the ivy, if there was, then we could find it. And if we could slip through it together and shut it behind us, and no one knew anyone was inside. And we called it our garden and pretended that, that we were missile thrushes and it was our nest. And if we played there almost every day and dug and planted seeds and made it all come alive. Is it dead? He interrupted her. It soon will be if no one cares for it, she went on. The bulbs will live, but the roses. He stopped her again, as excited as she was herself. What are bulbs? He put in quickly. They are daffodils and lilies and snowdrops. They are working in the earth now, pushing up pale green points because the spring is coming. Is the spring coming? He said. 
What is it like? You don't see it in rooms if you are ill. It is the sun shining on the rain, and the rain falling on the sunshine, and things pushing up and working under the earth, said Mary. If the garden was a secret, and we could get into it, we could watch the things grow bigger every day and see how many roses are alive. Don't you see? Don't you see how much nicer it would be if it was a secret? He dropped back on his pillow and lay there with an odd expression on his face. I never had a secret, he said, except that one about not living to grow up. They don't know I know that, so it's sort of a secret. But I like this kind better. If you won't make them take you to the garden, pleaded Mary, perhaps I feel almost sure I can find out how to get in sometime. And then, if the doctor wants you to go out in your chair, and if you can always do what you want to do, perhaps, perhaps we might find some boy who would push you, and we would go alone, and it would always be a secret garden. I should like that, he said very slowly, his eyes looking dreamy. I should like that. I should not mind fresh air in a secret garden. Mary began to recover her breath and feel safer because the idea of keeping the secret seemed to please him. She felt almost sure that if she kept on talking, and could make him see the garden in his mind as she had seen it, he would like it so much that he could not bear to think that everybody might tramp into it when they chose. I'll tell you what I think it would be like if we could go into it, she said. It has been shut up so long Things have grown into a tangle, perhaps. He lay quite still and listened while she went on talking about the roses, which might have clambered from tree to tree and hung down, about the many birds which might have built their nests there because it was so safe. And then she told him about the robin and Ben Weatherstaff. And there was so much to tell about the robin, and it was so easy and safe to talk about it, that she ceased to be afraid. The robin pleased him so much that he smiled until he looked almost beautiful. And at first, Mary had thought that he was even plainer than herself, 
with his big eyes and heavy locks of hair. I did not know birds could be like that, he said. But if you stay in a room, you never see things. What a lot of things you know. I feel as if you had been inside that garden. She did not know what to say, so she did not say anything. He evidently did not expect an answer, and the next moment, he gave her a surprise. I'm going to let you look at something, he said. Do you see that rose-colored silk curtain hanging on the wall over the mantelpiece? Mary had not noticed it before, but she looked up and saw it. It was a curtain of soft silk hanging over what seemed to be some picture. Yes, she answered. There's a cord hanging from it, said Colin. Go and pull it. Mary got up much mystified, and found the cord. When she pulled it, the silk curtain ran back on rings, and when it ran back, it uncovered a picture. It was the picture of a girl with a laughing face. She had bright hair tied up with a blue ribbon, and her happy, lovely eyes were exactly like Colin's unhappy ones, agate gray and looking twice as big as they really were because of the black lashes all around them. She's my mother, said Colin complainingly. I don't see why she died. Sometimes I hate her for doing it. How strange said Mary. If she had lived, I believe I should not have been ill always, he grumbled. I dare say I should have lived too, and my father would not have hated to look at me. I dare say I should have been a strong boy with a strong back. Draw the curtain again. Mary did as she was told and returned to her footstool. She is much prettier than you, she said, but her eyes are just like yours. At least they are the same shape and color. Why is the curtain drawn over her? He moved uncomfortably. I made them do it, he said. Sometimes I don't like to see her looking at me. She smiles too much when I'm ill and miserable. Besides, she's mine, and I don't want everyone to look at her. There were a few moments of silence, and then Mary spoke. What would Mrs. Medlock do if she found out that I had been here? she inquired. 
She would do as I told her to do, he answered. And I should tell her that I wanted you to come here and talk to me every day. I'm glad you came. So am I, said Mary. I will come as often as I can, but, she hesitated, I shall have to look every day for the garden tour. Yes, you must, said Colin, and you can tell me about it afterward. He lay thinking a few minutes, as he had done before, and then he spoke again. I think you shall be a secret, too, he said. I will not tell them until they find out. I can always send the nurse out of the room and say that I want to be by myself. Do you know Martha? Yes, I know her very well, said Mary. She waits on me. He nodded his head toward the outer corridor. She's the one who's asleep in the other room. The nurse went away yesterday to stay all night with her sister, and she always makes Martha attend to me when she wants to go out. Martha shall tell you when to come here. Then Mary understood Martha's troubled look when she had asked questions about the crying. Martha knew about you all the time, she said. Yes, she often attends to me. The nurse likes to get away from me, and then Martha comes. I have been here a long time, said Mary. Shall I go away now? Your eyes look sleepy. I wish I could go to sleep before you leave me, he said rather shyly. Shut your eyes, said Mary, drawing her footstool closer. And I will do what my ayah used to do in India. I will pat your hand and stroke it and sing something quite low. I should like that, perhaps, he said drowsily. Somehow she was sorry for him and did not want him to lie awake. So she leaned against the bed and began to stroke and pat his hand and sing a very low little chanting song in Hindustani. That's nice, he said more drowsily still. And she went on chanting and stroking, but when she looked at him again, his black lashes were lying close against his cheeks, for his eyes were shut, and he was fast asleep. So, she got up slowly, took her candle, and crept away without making a sound. The moor was hidden in mist when the morning came, and the rain had not stopped pouring down. There could be no going out of doors. 
Martha was so busy that Mary had no opportunity of talking to her. But in the afternoon, she asked her to come and sit with her in the nursery. She came bringing the stocking she was always knitting when she was doing nothing else. What's the matter with thee? She asked as soon as she sat down. You look as if you've something to say. I have. I have found out what the crying was from, said Mary. Martha let her knitting drop on her knee and gazed at her with startled eyes. You haven't, she exclaimed. Never. I heard it in the night. Mary went on, and I got up and went to see where it came from. It was Colin. I found him. Martha's face became red with fright. Oh, Miss Mary, she said, half crying. You shouldn't have done it. Oh, you shouldn't have. You'll get me in trouble. I never told you nothing about him. I shall lose my place. And what'll mother do? You won't lose your place, said Mary. He was glad I came. We talked and talked, and he said he was glad I came. Was he? cried Martha. Art thou sure? That doesn't know what he's like when anything vexes him. He's a big lad to cry like a baby. But when he's in a passion, he'll fair scream just to frighten us. He knows us doesn't dare call our souls our own. He wasn't vexed, said Mary. I asked him if I should go away, and he made me stay. He asked me questions, and I sat on a big footstool, and talked to him about India and about the robin and gardens. He wouldn't let me go. He let me see his mother's picture. Before I left him, I sang him to sleep. Martha fairly gasped with amazement. I can scarcely believe thee, she protested. It's as if you've walked straight into a lion's den. If he'd been like he is most times, he'd have thrown himself into one of his tantrums and roused the house. He won't let strangers look at him. He let me look at him. I looked at him all the time, and he looked at me. We stared, said Mary. I don't know what to do cried agitated Martha. If Mrs. Medlock finds out, she'll think I broke orders and told thee and I shall be packed back to mother. He's not going to tell Mrs. Medlock anything about it yet. It's to be a sort of secret just at first, said Mary firmly. And he says everybody is obliged to do as he pleases. Aye, that's true enough, 
a bad lad, sighed Martha, wiping her forehead with her apron. He says Mrs. Medlock must, and he wants me to come and talk to him every day, and you are to tell me when he wants me. Me, said Martha, I shall lose my place. I shall for sure. You can't if you are doing what he wants you to do, and everybody is ordered to obey him, Mary argued. Does that mean to say, cried Martha, with wide open eyes, that he was nice to thee? I think he almost liked me, Mary answered. Then thou must have bewitched him, decided Martha, drawing a long breath. Do you mean magic? inquired Mary. I've heard about magic in India, but I can't make it. I just went into his room, and I was so surprised to see him, I stood and stared. And then he turned round and stared at me. And he thought I was a ghost or a dream, and I thought perhaps he was. It was so strange being there alone together in the middle of the night, and not knowing about each other. And we began to ask each other questions. And when I asked him if I must go away, he said I must not. The world's coming to an end, gasped Martha. What is the matter with him? asked Mary. Nobody knows for sure and certain, said Martha. Mr. Craven went off his head like when he was born. The doctors thought he'd have to be put in asylum. It was because Mrs. Craven died like I told you. He wouldn't set eyes on the baby. He just raved and said it'd be another hunchback like him and it'd better die. Is Colin a hunchback? Mary asked. He didn't look like one. He isn't yet, said Martha. But he began all wrong. Mother said that there was enough trouble and raging in the house to set any child wrong. They was afraid his back was weak, and they've always been taking care of it keeping him lying down and not letting him walk. Then a big doctor came to see him and said there'd been too much medicine and to let him have his own way. I think he's a very spoiled boy, said Mary. Oh, he's the worst young little boy I've ever known said Martha. I won't say as he hasn't been ill a good bit. But 
he's been out of his head and she was talking to the nurse. It's all something. Mary sat and looked at the fire. I wonder, she said slowly, if it would not do him good to go out into a garden and watch things growing. It did me good.